Welcome to the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer, joined by Coach Dan today. Thank you for joining us on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. We've got a fun one for you today. We're going to talk about communicating drills, particularly new drills to your team. How the heckins do you do this? All right. So I'll get started with a little story. So uh, went to RollerCon last year, took as many classes as I darn well could, took all of the notes, and then you come back with your notebook and you're like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm going to bring all this to my team. We're going to do all the amazing things now. And you start reading your notes and you're like, what did I mean by this? What? Huh? Am I forgetting something crucial? You start setting it up and then you're like, uh, something about this isn't working. Like so many times I'd set up a drill, like, let's all do this. And then we'd be going through it and I'd be like, hold on guys, time out. I am hitting with like the wrong part of the shoulder and it was supposed to be a roll off the other way. And, uh, I think it was supposed to be more this and not that. And my notes are just, um, not working for me because uh, I'm a visual person. I like to see things and then replicate them. When things are written down, I am not understanding what they are and my memory is just not as good as I'd like it to be when I go see other people, especially as months go by because uh, not every week you have time to introduce a new drill when you're in season and you're getting ready for big games and stuff and you have to decide what's an important priority that week. But Coach Dan's <laughs> raising his hand now because it's a podcast. <laughs> I, I, I just wondered if I was going to talk on this podcast. Hi. Oh, I thought I, I thought oh, you no, wanted I me to you. do this wonderful introduction. Oh, it's all good. Um, so this brings like my favorite moments at practice, which are the ones where we have to stop and everybody has to wait, and you are going to go find the notebook and read it while everybody is starting to do that foot tap thing, and we don't enjoy that very much. That's and, not the greatest. And my handwriting's not decipherable because I tried to do it really yep. fast. And nobody knows what's going on. And uh, then- It's like written in code. Fortunately for <laughs> all of us though, there is now you visual types. There's now Facebook video and YouTube and things like that. And now Instagram too. I'm starting to learn about the grams people a little. That's that what you, you trendy kids call it? The grams? Dan's just shaking his head in disgust. Okay. <laughs> so there are all these wonderful resources out there where people are making videos introducing a new skill, a new drill, and uh, there's a lot of great resources. Miracle Whips, Roller Derby Junkies, just to name a couple right off the bat. And so often now, a skater will see a video and be like, ooh, shiny, I want that. Can we go do it at practice now? So, my first question that I wanna direct to Coach Dan here is, 
What are the best ways to send drill ideas to your coaches, captains, skaters who lead practice? Do you just like leave it on their Facebook wall and hope that they notice it and then they think it's really good and then they come to practice and are like, this person had a great idea and they're like, yay, uh, for the recognition. <laughs> do you, um, do you email it to them and hope it worked out? Do you text it to them? Like, what's the best way? Okay. <laughs> very glad to get to answer this question because nobody has ever asked me this but they have of submitted ideas and drills over and over in many different ways and it without question there are different uh different ways for this to be effective so the thing number thing number one know the person no try to know something about the person that you are going to communicate with where do they spend like where do they spend their communicating time and what do they just kind of tolerate? I will tell you right now. I tolerate Facebook. <laughs> I, I only use it for one thing. I log in, I check what's going on with the team in the, in the member groups that we have, and I leave. I do not go to my own wall. I do not click my notifications. I do not check what I've been tagged in. I do not see what photos I've been tagged in. I look at absolutely none of these things, ever. Like, I... Facebook is not my thing. Does anybody ask me this when they tag me and then link me to a drill? No, they, they do not. They, <laughs> they expect that I saw it. And when I come to practice and they say, hey, I tagged a drill on your wall and I'm not immediately ready to present it to the group, they probably are like, oh, I guess he doesn't like it. Or me. Doesn't I am respect my opinion. Doesn't respect your opinion, etc. Things of doesn't that nature. Doesn't think I have good ideas. And it's not that. You're not bragging on them at all. You just didn't see it at all. <laughs> I, yeah, I literally didn't see it, uh, let alone take the time to figure out what we're dealing with, uh, which, you know, we're going to get into a little bit more. But um, try to find out how you should share your information, because what is easy and automatic for you isn't necessarily what the coach how the coach wants to receive that or when they want to receive it. I don't know what your situation is in your league out there uh, listening to this podcast with your coach, what your relationship with your coaching or training committee is like. I've taken it upon myself to try to make the rounds and talk to the captains and the veterans at practice about what they want to do at practice that way they can let me know whenever there's a drill or things that they wish to work on. I try to do that before practice and I try to make myself available after practice and if they have feedback for that. And if they want to send me stuff, the best way for me to actually see it is Facebook Instant Messenger because I only use Messenger. And I mean, I only use Messenger for Derby. It's the only thing I use it for. So if I get an instant message and an alert on my phone and it's a drill, well, for one thing, it's like, uh, I don't want to talk to Derby right this minute if it's interrupting my day because I got a lot of other things to do, but it's on my phone. There's an alert. I'll watch it later. Whereas if it's on Facebook, I'll literally, if it's just a Facebook tag on my wall, I will never see it. Mm -hmm. uh, not to mention if it's, you know, I've been, I got added in a tweet or whatever else people use these things for. Um, Email is also pretty tough to break through because I have a lot of work email and a lot of spam, and I'm probably going to archive it and never look again. So it's important to know who you're messaging and how they want to receive that information. 
Uh, also, I'm going to go on, on a little side bit for the coaches out there and the leaders out there. How you receive this information is important. If now that there are drills on the internet and these Facebook videos, people look them up and they get excited about skills. Players get excited about skills. Jackie, do you, do you get excited about skills? Oh, Dan, do I get excited about skills? Uh, I get excited about all the skills. As soon as I get an alert that there's a new video, I'm like, I'm going to watch it right now and probably even share it on my Facebook page for everybody else right now, too. <laughs> okay. So, as a leader, when somebody brings you that information and does get it in front of your face, moderate your reaction. Because you can do a lot of harm if you say something like, we're not good enough for this yet. And put it away and never touch it again. You can do a lot more harm than good. What? How do you feel when if you hear something like that? Well, I'm picturing... Uh to use a metaphor, I'm picturing someone brings you a lovely balloon and then you pop it with a pin. <laughs> like, this is all of my excitement and happiness about Derby and my desire to be better. Will you please take care of it? Pop! Oh, you don't want that right now? <laughs> yes. So, uh, coaches and captains out there, you might be right. That doesn't mean that that's how you should handle the situation. You can probably build a lot more confidence in your team if you kind of look look at the drill or look at the skill and identify why it's not right but how you can build towards it and try to come up with drills or the building blocks of that drill and build towards doing that drill in the future if if it requires laterals and the laterals aren't there you can say all right you can take it as a good coaching opportunity and say Great. I'm so glad you're into this. See how great those laterals are? We need to do a lot more laterals today. And then skaters will groan because those are the vegetables, things that people don't want to do as much of. But uh, then on we go. And uh, so a, a good coach will figure out what they need to work on and use it to motivate them, not shoot down the idea. Okay. Well, I originally was going to put this a little bit later in our episode, but since we're going right into it, I'd like to ask, how do you know if the drill is right for your team? Okay, that's a good question. If you are in a league in a small to mid-sized town and you don't have like, if you don't have, if you don't have tons of house teams and things like that, you're probably dealing with different skill levels all the time at practice, right? Um, so new players, medium players, veterans, and all kinds of people that fall in between uh, with different at different places with their game. I don't like to do a drill if it's not going to at least be useful, something that can be safely and uh, reasonably attempted by at least 80% of the people there. Now, you can build layers into the drills. Um, we did this recently on a at a Wednesday practice where we had, I think, 11 skaters who I wanted to see if them do this drill and three skaters that I knew it was not right for them at this time. So, you know, this side of the track, we did the drill. And the other side of the track, we did the building block to that drill. So, Skills leading up to the drill. Right. So um, we can actually talk about what the example was. Okay. Um, the example was there had been a new video 
that was basically an introduction to some zone blocking where you would do some one-on-one -on -one blocking, race to the other side laterally and catch the jammer again. There were some cones involved, but you had to be proficient as a one-on-one -on -one blocker. You had to have great lateral speed and the ability to catch a jammer by yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, these three skaters are on the rookie level and they weren't in this place yet. So we just set up three lanes for them to work on their one-on-one -on -one blocking. And every time someone was done with the other drill, they would come on the other side of the track and be a, you know, a jammer for them, just pushing on them, letting them work on getting into their plows and just really develop their one-on-one -on -one blocking. They don't have to cover the whole track, but they're working on this individual skill that makes them better so that in the future they will be ready for the more advanced version of the drill. Yeah, whenever a veteran completed their round with another veteran, spar mm -hmm. you know, in this new drill, they went over and did kind of a they did a round with the rookie just teaching them some basics of one-on-one -on -one blocking. Each round only took, you know, like a minute. So, it was like you you, you do this part for the rookie and then you come over here and you get your cake and you get to go ham. Uh, with uh, another veteran and battle them in this new drill with these new skills that you want to master. And what was nice about this is we didn't just send the rookies off and be like, you're not good enough, go do this thing by yourselves now. We were very much like, and we're going to come over and work with you too, and then we're going to go do our thing. And we kept checking in with them by participating in their drill, basically saying, we really care about your progress. We are here with you. And when I talked to the rookie skaters later at the end of practice, they talked about how Every person had um, something slightly different to offer them. There were like different pieces of advice, different types of encouragement, and it was nice to get such a variety of interactions with practically everyone on the team mm -hmm. at some point or another. Mm -hmm. All right. So before we go into how to communicate a new drill to the team, we're going to take a quick break for an ad from our sponsor of today's episode. And we're back. Yay. Yeah, still I'm still here. working on these transitions, being really obvious. Okay. So if you're presenting a new drill to the team, what are some factors you need to consider to get it across? Like, how do you get everyone to understand why we're doing this drill? The first is understanding that people learn in different ways. If, if you do not accept that first, and if you think that you are... God's gift to communication and that the way you explain it, uh, even if you even if you have some profession that involves speaking or explaining, teaching, demonstrating for a living, even if this is normal to you, you shouldn't expect your method to reach everybody. You, you really can't because people are going to want to learn in different ways. Some people are not going to care and are not even going to tune in until they can see it. So we'll get into the demo. Some people, no matter how many words you use, it does not matter. Some people uh, absolutely need to hear it explained bit by bit, item by item, every little bit. Like turn your heel out here and then, yeah. The mechanics, yeah, the footwork, the foot mechanics, not my specialty. Um, we'll get into how I get around that, I think. Um, some people are going to need the why. They absolutely will not do the drill if you don't explain why the hell we are doing this drill. How does it how does it like work with what we're already doing and what we want to do as a team or what I want to do as a player? How does this benefit me? Right? 
I have a perfect picture in my mind of a teammate we have that just encompasses this so perfectly. She will literally stand there with her hands on their hips and be like, what's the point of this? <laughs> so you better have a good answer or she is not going to do it. She is just that type of person and we love her for it. Yes. And there will also probably be somebody who wants to know, you know, according to the rules, is what you're doing right there illegal? Because they don't want to get a penalty. <laughs> Let's talk about rules now. And everyone else is like, I just want to try to do the thing. <laughs> so you don't, there's not enough time. There's not enough words. There's just no way that you can hit everybody perfectly. But you can try to cover a bunch of the bases. So there are kind of, there are like four parts, I would say, to how I explain drills and try to get everybody involved. The first part is I talk through the why up front. It's this is what we're going to do and this is why. So in order to do the drill we were talking about that we already explained a bit, I had to explain zone blocking, which is exciting. A challenge on its own because right. I think everyone thinks they know what it is, but it's actually a little hard to put into words sometimes. Right. I, I believe that most of my mental energy and any anxiety I had going into that practice was about how I'm going to talk about zone blocking and make it comprehensible to both new skaters and veteran skaters, which I think we did a decent job of. Maybe you want that on a future podcast. I don't know, but I, it would be too much to go into right here. This, this description of what you are doing and why should never take more than five minutes, preferably not more than three. And if you have never timed yourself talking, get a stopwatch and get a microphone and maybe some recording software like we have here. Just hit record and try explaining something and see how long you actually talk. Because most people don't even realize that 10 minutes went by and they wonder why everybody looks so bored. Um, so these descriptions and the why, you have to try to get it in three to five minutes. A good way to break it up is to stop after important points and ask questions. Explaining zone blocking was one thing, and I actually think I did a good job and stopped to ask questions and nobody had any. So I said, did I really do that good? And then, and then I got some funny looks <laughs> because there's no way I was that good. But anyway, so we do the explanation. Mm -hmm. um, the why. It has to be in there. This is what we're doing and why. Three to five minutes. Now, for any new drill, even something that you think seems simple to you, a demo. You must grab some skaters on skates, put them on track, and walk through what is about to happen visually. The visual learners need this. They literally li listened to nothing you said for three to five minutes. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding, right? Yes, yes. I am literally just waiting for the demo because I'm so visual. Like, I'm like, okay, I hear the why. The why part's important to me, but I'm not going to understand anything else that happens until I physically see people doing it. At yeah. which point you grab the closest, you know, two to four people, whatever you need that are like, if they're still standing, those are good people to grab. But just anyone who's like, you know, uh, veteran-ish skater, someone who can follow instructions and doesn't have anxiety not knowing what's going to happen, those are the good people to grab. <laughs> mm, yeah, and just walk them through it. I call it playing, like playing chess. I'm like, don't move until I tell you to move so they don't just start playing derby in the background. And it's just like, you are going to go here. This is what's going to happen. You need to do this. Explain each role in the drill 
So if there is a jammer out there who you don't want to just destroy this wall and run away so that blockers can work on something specific, explain to the jammer that they have a role, that the jammer is training partner, they want to challenge blockers, they don't want to defeat blockers right now. Uh, things like that, just as examples. Um, and try to explain the roles of each person in the drill and what they are doing. All right, that's the second part. The third part is, are there any questions before we try this drill? All right, there, there might be questions. Try mm -hmm. to handle them quickly, but don't be afraid to tell somebody who is asking a really intricate question or next level question or really thick question, or just somebody who always asks questions that usually require more explanation. Don't be afraid to tell them, we're going to try that and then we're going to talk about it a little after everybody has had a chance to feel it, but we will answer that question. Just say that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. We absolutely are gonna get to that, but let's try it first and then see where we're at and then we can go into it. Yep, that should not be the this that should not be the default, you know, response. The default the first thing you should try to do if you can answer the question is answer it because a good amount of time people will ask a good question of something that you forgot to explain. Mm -hmm. It's a good check for yourself. However, as soon as they are trying to spiral into say a rules rabbit hole mm -hmm. or uh if we do this and they do this and they do this well, and they we counter this way? <laughs> yes, as soon Why as would we ever do that. <laughs> yeah, as soon as people are spiraling into that, it's like, no, let's try it and then let's come to the middle and talk about that. So, take the questions, then have them go do the drill. Make it a pretty quick session, um, depending on the intensity of the drill, two to five minutes. And then after they've tried it, bring them back and have a feedback session. Now we can try to answer that question. Ask the, ask the team, you know, what did you think of the drill? What did you learn? You will find that many people want to express what worked and what didn't, uh, what went well, what didn't go well, and things of that nature. And this is also the part where I get around my shortcomings as a coach by if people want to know, well, what if I do, I, like, what am I supposed to do with my foot? What am I supposed to do with this hip? What am I supposed to do with my balance? Now that I've had other skaters actually do it and try it, I have the ones who felt successful share what worked for them. because. I'm not an on-skates coach, so I can't tell people exactly what to do with their feet. And this is also why we have the feedback session, but we put off certain questions until the feedback session. I definitely can't answer those, and neither can your teammates before we try it. So some of us have to get out there, try it, get our skates dirty, and then we can come back and work out the kinks. Once we've had that feedback session, we all go out there and we do it some more um, for a longer session, usually this time five to 10 minutes, of course, always depending on the drill. So to sum that up, right? Yeah, you're-, you're Let's go, yeah, I'm already like- You're you gone, yeah, you're, you left. You're, I, I left because I'm like looking go? at you and I'm like, that was a really great explanation. What were the numbers again? Right, 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 right. <laughs> so first is the explanation, including the why, right? Okay, so that's number one. Yep. Number one, explanation and why, boom. Number two, visual demo. Demo, my favorite part, boom. Number three, questions before the drill. Yes, the people who need to talk are going to talk here. Okay. <laughs> and number four, after the drill, bring them back in to express, talk, and answer more questions. Solve any problems, things that came up during it, help each other out, and then go out and do it again, but better, because we have more information now from each other. Exactly. No matter how easy Facebook or RollerCon class or whatever made this drill look, 
you will have to go through these steps for everybody on your team to get into it. Mm-hmm. I am absolutely confident of that. I've, I've worked now with enough teams to know that there was never a team that I should have been skipping any of these steps with. Mm-hmm. Every time I skip stuff, I regret it and people don't get it and people feel disconnected from something. So, Especially that step number one, if you never give them a reason why we should ever do this drill, no one's going to buy in. Now, <laughs> as a presenter and a person giving this drill, if you if the person who brought this to you is not the presenter, if you are that person on the team who wants the coach or captain to teach this drill, right? Mm-hmm. You should probably help them out by giving them a little bit of the why yourself. Tagging somebody's name on a Facebook video, mm-hmm. a, even if they do see it, doesn't explain the why. And it often will create a better tie to the team if the person who picked it out in the first place communicates a bit because if they just tag you, you don't know exactly what where they were going for. But if they come to the team and are like, hey, I noticed we had this challenge in the last game, this difficulty we were having, and I feel like this drill really helps address some of our shortcomings in this area and will make us stronger in this particular area. And I'm excited to see what we can do with it to be a better team. Mm-hmm. Ta-da! That's a beautiful explanation. And if honestly the only why you have is because it looks cool... You know what? Sometimes you just got to be excited about Derby. Mm-hmm. And That's if... true. And it's okay to say that, I think. <laughs> it is okay to say that because, honestly, would any of us be doing this if we didn't think it was a little bit cool? If it was totally lame, we wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to geek out over your own sport. We've said this before. Yeah. All right. Before we get into the next section, which is where we're going to share some of our favorite drills... We're going to quickly take another quick break where you can show how you might be able to support the podcast. Hey there, friends. Want to know how you can support the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby podcast and look super cool doing it? Our store has a bunch of roller derby designs that can be put on all kinds of super soft, high-quality t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, hoodies, notebooks, mugs, stickers, blankets, and more at Threadless. Whether you love cartoon animals on roller skates, like our Apex Predator T-Rex or Jam-A-Llama, to messages like Roller Derby Strong and My Mom Plays Roller Derby, there's really something for everybody. Visit powerforthwhistle.threadless.com that's p-o-w-e-r the number four t-h-w-h-i-s-t-l-e dot threadless.com thank you for your support and back to our show and we're back we're gonna talk about some of our favorite drills oh boy so What are some of our favorite drills that we feel like have made a a big difference on our teams? Drills that everybody needs, could do, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, My answer is going to be totally cop-out because Uh it's going to be, you know, for, for the coaches out there, if you ever have, like, questions like this come your way or a chance to express this, this is what you should find out. Your favorite drills should have something to do with what your skaters find the most useful. So I actually don't sit around and talk to you all the time about what your favorite drills are. I want to know what your favorite drills are. 
Ha! Okay, so one of my favorite drills is actually one that I plan on making a video for in the future, so please do watch for this. And it is called One Versus 100. And we created this drill together, you and I. I believe the original name was Jackie Versus Everyone because <laughs> I, I literally just wanted to find out what would happen if I had to jam against everyone who was there at practice that day. So we set up some basic rules for this drill so that it isn't completely horrible for the jammer. The blockers must stay forward-facing blocking to work on their forward-facing blocking skills because while there are all these other wonderful ways you can learn to block, this is a basic that everyone needs and could always stand to get better at. I'm going to I'm gonna try to dive right in and practice what we preach here uh, with the explanations and stuff and the why and all those. So this drill, um, to summarize it, is you put all of the available blockers on the track uh -huh. and they're all going to work together as one team blocking a single jammer. And that jammer is going to jam against this wall of the entire rest of the roster of practice for one minute. It could be six people, it could be 14 people. You don't know how many are gonna be there on that day. <laughs> right, so. But you only have to do this for one minute. That's and right. For me, the idea was, if you can get through this, like just, just working your darndest for a minute, you can get through anything because no team should ever be tougher than this. What, and what you said uh, was that they can only forward-facing block, so we yes. don't have reverse blocking, we don't have bracing in this no, you're specific case. on your own individual strength. Mm -hmm. And the, it, there's no, no pack, there's no out of play. If the jammer escapes from the group, uh, from the horde of blockers, mm -hmm. they skate their lap and then they re-engage. So yes, there's no bridging because that would be the entire track if everyone tried to bridge. Mm -hmm. So literally, like if one blocker tries to make a, a play up at the front, they get maybe 20 feet from the largest group of people. You really can't go far from the group. You've got to stay close to the group because again, like we have to be a little nice to the jammers. Yes, if the jammer starts getting away, the blockers should stop chasing and form up and be ready for the next pass. So once one minute goes by on the stopwatch, then coach or whoever says disengage or next jammer or blows a whistle if you like whistles. Mm -hmm. And then the jammer goes back to blocking and another person from the blocking group becomes the jammer and everybody takes their minute. So this is a, if there are 14 skaters, mm -hmm. there's one jammer versus 13 blockers and it's a 14 minute drill. And how you choose who goes next, we have tried this two ways. One was everyone picked a number, but I, I actually found the second way to be a lot more effective because people tend to forget what their number was. Instead, I like the volunteer method. Someone volunteers as tribute, like, I will go next. And this way, you know, if someone needs to get their turn over with early, they can get it early. If someone is putting it off till the end, they can do that. Everyone will go where they feel comfortable because it will be challenging at any time when you take your turn, and that is okay but people get to choose and that makes them feel a little bit more like they had some, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Agency? Yes, they have agency in this drill. All right, what do you like about this drill? I like that it is incredibly difficult. 
If you're asking, if you're wondering what the jammer gets to do during this drill, the jammer can engage at whatever intensity they choose legally. They are, they are allowed to hit, whereas the blockers are blocking positionally. And you just fight like heck to get through. And what I love about this drill are often the surprises of a blocker who you never see jam just suddenly destroy everyone. It's a very exciting prospect just to see what they can do. And as the person, when I'm jamming in the drill, I, I just love the idea if, if I got through everybody, it will never be this hard again. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> this is a mental toughness as well as a physical toughness. If you just push the same spot the whole time, you are not going to win this drill. But I think it helps teach you how to be smart about your jamming. Because if you're a blunt object, just pushing and pushing, it's not going to work. But if you are noticing things about how blockers are reacting and you're learning how to attack strategically, that's going to be something that's going to take you into games and make you a better jammer. Invariably, you'll be asked why we have all these blockers. That's never going to happen in a game. I do find, especially with this drill, that the mental effect on the team is better than almost the um, the skills involved or the habits involved necessarily, as the team actually gets to experience everybody blocking together. They also get to experience everybody jamming one time. Um, it seems to build very strong camaraderie as you get to actually flex your entire muscles as a team and see how strong your walls are when together. I think that that creates a lot of mental bonds in mm -hmm. a way that not many drills where uh, obviously you get into season and you just start running the same groups against each other over and over. You b can build adversarial relationships, whereas this drill really is about the entire group. And I think that that... Uh, I think that's the main benefit, uh, aside from some very solid endurance. This is a very hard drill. Uh, if, if you were told you, if, you're, if there are 15 skaters at practice, you are going to block for 14 minutes and jam for one with no breaks. Yes. That's a lot no of breaks. work. There it's, are no breaks here. There's like 10 seconds between jammers while somebody is volunteering and putting the star on their head. Yep. That is it. So it is an endurance battle. Um, if somebody needs a, a drink or a stretch or just whatever, if they can't complete the time, I tell them to just go do it and then jump back in as soon as, as they're soon ready. As oh my gosh, I love that because if we all took a, I guess what you'd call like a guilt-free break where we all took a break, they'd have to chat and they'd sit down. Some people would take their helmets off. And it would take like 10 minutes to get them back into the drill. But when your teammates are out there fighting and you step off to go get a drink, people hustle back. You know, mm -hmm. they don't want to be the one on the sidelines watching that. And it, it really shows who's in it. And um, a lot of these kinds of drills aren't necessarily in-game skill related. But again, it's that bonding time for your team, uh, bonding through battle and struggle and adversity. So I think you develop even more respect for each other when you see how far everyone is willing to push themselves individually and together, like on both sides of the drill. Like you can just see all that hard work and all the exertion on their faces and you're like, wow, that's my teammate. How cool is that? <laughs> yeah. And it does work a lot on communication because there are a lot of people. It requires a lot of communication. That's an important aspect. It's funny. You see this huge group of people out there and you think, well, the communication should be no problem. But honestly, more often than not, when you lose the jammer, it's because... 
there was a lapse in communication and uh, we struggled, we didn't see where she was because people weren't talking enough. And you'd think with all these people, they'd be talking, but it's still hard because it seems like the same people always talk and it really takes everybody. <laughs> Is there time for another drill? Yes, I do believe we have time for another drill. Are you gonna volunteer one this time? Oh, so are, are you gonna ask me? Are you gonna practice asking? Dan? Yeah. Last time you threw it back to me. This time, do you have a drill you would like to share? with the class. My, my favorite <laughs> drills. Um, yes, uh, my favorite drill is just a way to simulate starts and give everybody more experience and more roles. I call it 30 feet of awesome. There are a lot of variants to this drill, but basically it's practicing the first 30 feet. Uh, I put out a group of blockers. It can be one, it can be two, it can be three, it can be four. The idea is just to engage the jammer for 30 feet and make that 30 feet as hard as possible. And that's um, when explaining it from scratch, let's, let's take a group of three. So we'll take three just people from our group of players and we're going to put them on the jam line and we're going to call that our first blocking group. They are going to block until any one of them or the jammer touches the pivot line or crosses, or, you know, crosses the pivot line in any way. Then they have to disengage. So there's not going to be out of plays or no packs or things like that. We're just working on our blocking and owning the first 30 feet as much as we can. Everybody else on the team is a jammer. Everybody else on the team is a jammer. Now, only one of them are going to go at a time. I'm not turning them all loose. But let's again say that we have 15 people at practice. There are three blockers. There is now uh, 12 jammers. The, they just get in a line facing the group of blockers. First jammer comes up and goes against that group of three for their 30 feet. As soon as the jammer gets to the end or the pivot line, we end that drill, or not that drill, we end that specific jammer's turn, and that jammer goes back to the group, and the next jammer is up. This gives that group of three rapid fire repetition practice, as opposed to they play against one jammer, it doesn't work out, the jam is over, they go sit down and think about it for two minutes and wait to come back till later. They get a jammer, and then they get another jammer, and then they get another jammer, and then they get another jammer. The idea is to give them more shots on deck and get them in the habit of forgetting about what doesn't work. If Jackie Bauer came through and blew them up, and they didn't touch her, and she got right through, well, they could be over there on the sideline dwelling on that, or they could be focused on their next jammer. Get them more and more and more, because most of what's going to help them aside from basic blocking fundamental skills, which everybody has to work on, is learning each other. Learning and adjusting and communicating. And yes. being like, okay, that didn't quite work this time. How about we change up our formation a little bit and I'm going to talk more this time because I feel like we lost her because I didn't talk. Right. <laughs> so the group, especially if there are 12 jammers, like the situation I described, it's like, you're going to have to get good. Because <laughs> it's going to be a really bad drill if you're getting beat, you know, 12 times again, in a row. Again, and again. in my experience, that just doesn't happen. No. No. Um, usually, they it might take them a little bit to gel, but most blocking groups, even if they had never worked together, come out feeling better, you know, and doing better than when they went in. Mm -hmm. And, Dan, why specifically is it 30 feet of awesome? Why did you choose the first 30 feet of a jam? to work on this. 
because I had it, it was a theory. Um, it was a coaching theory that I came up with a while back that I still share with my team, um, which is that the block, in my opinion, the group that wins the first 30 feet of every jam from the start will most likely have the success, the most success in that jam and therefore win the game. So the group that wins the first 30 feet the most often, that makes it the hardest for the opposing jammer to gain progress and escape. Or on the flip side, their jammer does escape just faster or plays better against that blocker group. Um, the group that wins the first 30 feet of every jam is most likely to win that jam and get lead and win the game over over the course of a game yes get lead more and win the game more i like that i think that was the very important why of why we do this drill besides just you know being better blockers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right that is going to bring us to the end of our episode today so with that Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. We can be found on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere podcasts can be heard. Follow our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash power through fourth whistle. That's P-O-W-E-R-T-H-R-U, the number four T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. Email your derby thoughts to powerforthwhistle at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at powerforthwhistle and on Instagram at powerforthwhistle. I'm still new to Twitter and Instagram, so if you find me on there, please follow and say hi, because I like it when people say hi. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor for this podcast, email powerforthwhistle at gmail.com or send us a DM on any of that social stuff. Links and handles can be found in the show notes. Thank you for listening today. And with that, we have been talking about Derby and sharing Derby thoughts. Pew, pew! Sativity. Pew, 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 pew!